turn to a very small little book right near the back of the New Testament called Jude. Hey Jude. <laughs> hey Jude. <laughs> I won't sing it. But um, it's a little book. I think it's 25 verses, the book of Jude. I'm not going to read it all this morning. But it's only 25 verses in this book. Little book just before Revelation. So when you get a Revelation, you've gone too far. Just a page behind uh, the start of Revelation, you'll see the book of Jude. And um, for some time, I've said to some people in this house, I want to speak on holiness and those kind of things. That God wants a holy people. He wants a people who are set apart for him. I don't know what your picture of holiness is. Maybe long, long dresses and no makeup and all that and miserable faces. That's not holiness, folks. Holiness is being separated unto Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Living your life for an audience of one. As I often say, I love you all. And it's, I have a privilege to preach here and do what I do. It's a real privilege. But I have an audience of one, ultimately. I'll stand one day before him and give an account of what I do here now. now. So my audience of one, and your audience of one, is the Lord Jesus. Be set apart. We want to be a holy people. Set apart unto him. So Jude, this little book here. And um, you may have read it before. It's got a very poignant message for the 21st century. Considering it was written probably between AD 65 and AD 90, now, quite a while ago, that. I don't think anyone remembers that who's here this morning. But it was written a long time ago. Long time ago. 30 years probably after Jesus was walking the earth as a person. Um, but it's full of challenge to the church today. And in case you're wondering who Jude is, anyone know who Jude is? Anyone, anyone has a guess? Go on, Billy. Jesus' brother, his half brother. Now it's written. By his half-brother. The interesting thing is, there's James, his half-brother, and, and Jude. James became the head of the church in Jerusalem. Jude, again, his, his, his brother, he didn't believe Jesus when he was here. They're amazing what happened to them. They realized who he really was. So Jude, this half-brother of Jesus, and look at the humility. Let's start right out. We're going to read the first four verses this morning. And I'm, I'm probably going to speak on one phrase. So I'm just checking the clock. So, verse 1. Jude. Now look at this. He doesn't name drop, does he? A servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. To those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ, Mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Dear friends, he's addressing us this morning. Centuries later, this word is for us today. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. For certain men whose condemnation 
was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who change the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ our only Saviour and Lord. I'm just going to stop there. Amen. Father, just let this word penetrate our hearts now. Thank you for these precious words of yours. Lord, these are not this, the writings and thoughts of a mortal man. We know they are the words today of the living God. And I pray that your word will, as, you, as, as I wrote, will just perform the work you have for it today. It will not return to you empty, but it will fulfill the task for which you sent it this morning in West Horton. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So you can see straight away there, Jude's humility, a servant, a bond servant, that means doulos. It means a bond servant, a servant who is owned really by Jesus, his half brother. He is not, not name dropping. I, I, I'm his half brother. He was in the family. I used to sit with him watching Sky Sports at night. I used to be round him at the barbecue in the family. He never did any of that. He said, I'm a servant. I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the God-man, God in flesh, and a brother, you see, of James. And he says to us here, to those who have been called, and I don't think I'm going to get much past this first phrase this morning. We're going to go in weeks to come, right through the book. But you can see, straight out, he's talking to the church, to those who've been called, who are loved and are kept. By Jesus Christ. Do you know, I think in the worship time this morning, all those expressions came out. I don't know if you heard that. About being called. Someone prayed that out this morning. I think it was Terry said about being kept. Kept to the end. And being loved by God. That's our inheritance, folks. That's where we start this morning. This is before we get into any of the technicalities of what Jude wants to address. We have to know who we are. In Christ this morning? Do you know who you are? Do you know that you've been called? That you're loved and kept? If you could just grasp the love of God for you. It isn't a a love that is that is like based on what you do, or if you've performed well, or if you've you've fulfilled certain criteria. He loves you. He loves you. Wow, just let that sink into your hearts. Jesus loves you. God loves you so much. It's a wonderful truth. And he goes on and says there, mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. In other words, loads of it. He wants you to know loads of it. Live in the goodness of God. And there, that word mercy, is an Old Testament word, which is the same word in the New. It means hesed. A Hebrew word. It means covenant love. Covenant, steadfast, forgiveness, kindness of God. That's what mercy really is. Have you experienced the mercy of God? Or are you still trying to earn it? Mercy, peace, 
shalom and agape, love, be yours this morning in abundance. So let's start off. To those who have been called. Do you know this morning that you have been called? You've been called. You're not here by chance. Sometimes you think, well, I'll give, I've got to give Christianity a try. I've tried a few other things. I've tried, I've tried Buddhism. I've tried, I've tried, I don't know, whatever it may be. I'll give this a bit of a, a trial. Or maybe you were in a non-Christian family and you came home full of the joy of the Lord after coming to Christ and said, I'm a Christian. And your parent said, I'll give it six months. <laughs> oh, they're going through the religious phase. Christianity is not a phase. It's a lifestyle. It's a life given over to God. But he has called you. I want to really emphasize that this morning. One of the Puritans, a guy called Thomas Manton, said this. Christ does not call us because we are holy. You weren't called because you were a goody-goody. You've not been called because you are holy, but he's called you that you be maybe made holy. He's making you. He's made you holy, and he's in a process of making you holy. And the Greek word for being called is kletos. And in the Greek it means this. So you can miss this in English. You get far more depth in when you look at the original languages of the Bible. It says this, to be called, in the Greek, is to be invited by God in the proclamation of the gospel to obtain eternal salvation in the kingdom of God through Christ. Wow. Can I read that again? You've been invited by God in the proclamation of the gospel to obtain eternal salvation in the kingdom of God through Christ. Wow! You didn't apply for it. You didn't get you know, a survey and think, shall I apply to be a Christian? And I'll wait for six months to see if my, I've got approval. No, I'm telling you, when you heard the gospel of your salvation, the three gifts of the gospel, you're a sinner. Until that point, you are dying in sin. You're gonna, if you don't know the gospel, folks, you're going to go to hell, a lost eternity without God. Sin is not mistakes. I've heard that said today. Sin is a mistake. No, it's not a mistake. It's a horrendous nature that you are born with, that you can't do anything about. However much you try and get bleach, almost and scrub your skin, Nothing in this world will remove the stain of sin. Only one thing removes the stain of sin on your life and in your life. And it's the cross of Jesus Christ. The blood of the Lamb shed, as it were, before the foundation of the world for you. And you're invited because of that to participate in a whole new life, even in the challenges of this world that we go through, you've been called. Listen to these words of Jesus himself in John 15. I can't get my head around this, and I don't want to go into it, 
But listen to what it says. You did not choose me. I thought I did. I put my hand up. I, I, I just, I, I responded. Before you responded, there's something inside you. Before that happened, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. So that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. I want to encourage you this morning. Maybe you're in a bit of a dismal place as a Christian. I want to tell you, you're called to be fruitful. And you may have done some things that nobody's recognized. You ever been, have you ever been not recognized? And you've really done something, you think, oh, I didn't get any recognition. Let me tell you. Let me tell you, the one who sees all things has seen it. This, you might get a, you know, praise of men, it's temporary. The well done here is temporary. Do you want that? Or do you want, like Tim Keller this week, stood before Almighty God and heard those words, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the reward from the ages past. I want to tell you, wow, chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Ephesians 1, just read this to you, just listen. I've, I've paraphrased it really. You were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Do you know you're holy and blameless in his sight now? You robes of righteousness. You sinned this week, didn't you? Did anyone sin this morning? I did. I'm not proud of it. And I don't take for granted that my sin, oh, I can just live how I want. It's all given. No, we'll come to that in a minute. Because that's one of the things that Jude's addressing in this book. But I want to tell you, your sin's forgiven. But you know, if, if Kath and I have words you know, in our relationship, if I don't put it right, there's a blockage. It doesn't stop us being married. But there's a blockage. And it's the same thing with sin. It pollutes us. Unfortunately, we're going to have that challenge until we go to glory. Again, I quoted Piper this morning. But I heard Piper one day in a debate about eternity. And he was asked a question. He said, what, what are you looking forward to more than anything else in glory? Piper said, this is the John Piper, amazing preacher and author. He said, no more sin. Forever. Wow. You see, for you as a Christian, the penalty for sin is death. It means eternal separation death. That's the penalty of sin. The penalty has been paid. Paid in full. The penalty has been paid. The power of sin is broken. To, to sin really as a Christian is a choice. Well, unfortunately, we still make wrong choices. Does anyone else <laughs> occasionally make the wrong choice? The penalty's been paid. The power of sin has been broken. If you're an unbeliever, a non-Christian, you can't help it. You just sin because that's your nature. 
But the Christian's got a new nature. You've got the living God in you. The Spirit of God's on the inside. Do you ever hear that little voice saying, yeah, go and do this, God. Oh, you shouldn't have done that. Have you ever anyone else heard that? It's the Holy Spirit in you. He's in you. Power of sin. You don't have to, it's a choice. Power of sin's been broken. But one thing that hasn't been broken yet. Does anyone know what it is? To pee? Good preachers? Power? Penalty? The presence of sin. Unfortunately, it's around us. Temptation. We live in a fallen world that is not yet fully <coughs> new. And that's the rub, isn't it? That's the rub. But live in such a way that your life glorifies Jesus. Paul said, you know, if you're trying in your own strength to conquer sin, forget it. You've got no chance. How do we do it? Does anyone know? Paul talks about it a lot in the Bible. Anyone know? By the power of what? The Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Speaking to Him. Asking Him. Talking to Him. Reading the Word. Feed your soul. Worshipping. I often say it. Can't help it. You need to be baptised with the Spirit if you haven't been. You have to be a Christian to have this. You have to have the Spirit to be a Christian, right? He has to, he, he's the one who's come into your life and made you alive. Ephesians says in Ephesians 2, you were dead in trespasses and sin. But God made you alive by the Spirit. So you're alive. Bang! It's like the, the jump leads have gone onto your soul. You know, if you ever touched, you ever, anyone ever touched the jump leads when you used to be charging your battery? Wow, you get a shock, mate. But it's almost like the, the jump leads of heaven have been connected to your heart. And you've suddenly come alive. That's the birth, the new birth. But to sustain the Christian life, you need the coming upon you of the Spirit. Do you remember in the upper room? It's all part of being called this, I wanted to say to you. Jesus, you know, he would show up, wouldn't he? Do you remember? And they're all, in, they're all meeting together. And all of a sudden, Jesus is there, he comes through the wall. They're like, was he a ghost? No, he wasn't. Because he could eat food. He could, he could eat. But he could be anywhere. He could just come in his new resurrection body. He'd come through. And in, in John 20, it says something very interesting. Because you could say, when were the disciples born again? You ever asked that question? Because we were following him, weren't they, before the cross? When were they born again? talks about the word making them clean but there's something interesting that happens in John 20 check it out this afternoon they're all in that room and Jesus blew and said he breathed on them he said receive the spirit so they received the spirit was that the moment because this is the resurrection Christ now he's paid the price for sin He's been buried and rose. He's conquered it all. He's done the job. He's done the job, Joyce. And he breathed on them and said, Receive. Now, they, weren't, they were still timid Christians, do you remember? They were still timid. The Spirit was in them because Jesus blew, breathed on them. But he said, Wait. Wait 
in Jerusalem, Jesus said. I'm going back. But wait until you have been clothed with power from on high. Now they had to wait. They had to wait because Jesus had to return to the right hand of the Father. And the Father poured out the Spirit and Jesus poured it out on the church. The day of Pentecost, the church was born. Wham! All of a sudden, Peter. Anyone relate to Peter? The zealous one? Always jumps in where angels fear to tread. Can you imagine the angels in heaven? Always oh, off again. They're all trying to come back, Peter, and he'd be off. But you know, the night before Jesus was crucified, he said, I'll do anything for you, Lord. And Jesus said, will you? He said, this very night, he said, before the rooster crows three times, you'll deny me. Three times. And it happened. The same Peter, just a few weeks later, when he's clothed with the power from on high, is out and about, preaching on the day of Pentecost. Repent! And turn to God that your sins may be wiped out. That you may be filled with the Holy Spirit. What a different man. What happened to him? The cold one, Peter. He'd been changed. Transformed by the Spirit. And you need that. And if you're a Christian who's been filled with the Spirit, when were you last? When did you last have a, I've just drunk there. When did you last have a drink? Because, you know, every day you need the Spirit. But you've been called. You've been called. You've been called by the Gospel. Listen to this. You have been called. This is from 1 Corinthians 1. Brothers and sisters, can you relate to this? Because I can. Think of what you were when you were called. What were you like when you were called? Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. So what he's saying is you, you weren't particularly, you weren't called and chosen because you were brainy. Or you didn't check your bank account and say, oh, you, he's all right, he's doing well. Doing quite well in life. Or it wasn't because you were any noble birth here. Any royal, well, we are all royalty, aren't we? Anyone, you know, anyone got letters after the name or connected to some? No, not many. Some are. God chooses those people. Wonderful, but not many of them. But God chose chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. So that no one may boast before him. It is because of him, God, that you are in Christ Jesus. Who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness and redemption. Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. What Paul's saying is, don't get off on one because you're a goody-goody. Or because you've got a great heritage in your background. Boast in the Lord alone. Boast in Christ. Christ Jesus. You have been called by the gospel. When did you hear the gospel for the first time? 
See, for me, it was a bit unusual because I was brought up surrounded by God. But you know, somehow or other, when I was three, my first response to Christ was at three and a half. I was just about to have a bath. I wasn't baptised at the same time. But it was a shock to my parents. And all the way through, I knew the nearness and the closeness of God. But my first... You see, what made me at three and a half say, I want to be a Christian? Now you could say, well, you were influenced. Your dad was a minister, wasn't he? But something inside of me came alive. Didn't understand it all then. Didn't understand redemption and what Jesus did on the cross fully, but I just knew. I wanted to... Well, who did that? One of my family who I won't mention his name. But he had the same encounter. At the same age. It brought a big tear to my eye. See, when God is on your life, you can't shake him off. You have been called by the gospel. Um, some Christians, you know, you've been called, but you're still walking around in the grave clothes. Do you remember the story of Lazarus? You might be new to the faith, but, but in John, in chapter 11, you can look at this in your own time, there was a certain friend of Jesus called Lazarus. And his sisters basically contacted him and said, he's really sick, can you come and sort it out? So Jesus said, I'll, I'll be there. But guess what? Lazarus died. And Jesus arrived in town, Bethany. Lazarus had been dead four days. Now it's interesting, in, in Hebrew thought, they believed the spirit was kind of around for three days. Interesting with Jesus. After, on the third day, it's gone. But this is the fourth day, an extra day just to make sure. And he, they said, if you'd have come, his sister said, if you'd have come, if you'd have just come in time, Lord. You ever said that? Oh, Lord, if you'd have just come in time in my life, I wouldn't be in this mess. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And she said, yeah, I know that. I know that, Jesus, but... And he said, where is he, where is he laid? Can you imagine what this was like? Can you picture? Try and picture when you read the Bible. Put yourself there. It comes alive, you know? And he went, he said, roll away the stone. Lazarus! Come forth. The next thing, this shroud got up and started to walk. What would, you, what would it have been like? Can you imagine it? What did Jesus say? Take off the grave clothes. You see, the grave clothes signify what's been wrapped around you. Maybe from your past. Maybe you, Lazarus is walking. By the way, we said the other week, he wasn't resurrected, you know. Only Jesus has been resurrected so far. He was raised. You ever thought about that? Oh, was Lazar Lazarus wasn't resurrected. He was raised from the dead. Because he died again. Has anyone seen him? Is he still here? Is he in Bolton this morning? He's dead. Lazarus has left this earth. But Jesus showed his power that was in him. I am the resurrection and the life. 
You can go, and this, this dead man walked. And Jesus said a bit further on, he said, he said, he said, a day is coming and now is here when the dead will hear the sound of the voice of God and live. Do you know what he was talking about? You and I. The dead in sin will hear the voice of the gospel and they will live. And he said it just a few verses a bit further on. And there will come a day when all those who are in the tombs will hear the voice and come out. Those who will rise to eternity with Jesus and those who will go to the other place. But everyone will hear the voice. But he, he makes two distinctions there. One hears the voice in this life. Spiritually dead, I'm alive. But there'll come a day when all of creation will be raised. Those who've lived for Jesus and chosen him, eternity with him forever. What a thought. But you've been called by the gospel. You've been called out of darkness, right? Anyone else? Have you ever, do you like the dark? Anyone like being in the dark? Anyone watch a bit of a spooky film when they were younger, even maybe this week, and you slept with the light on? I don't know what difference that makes. When I was, I don't like horror films, but I saw the odd one. And man, I couldn't sleep. I didn't want to be in the dark. Didn't want to be in that place. I wanted light. You know, I, I have to say, bit of a hobby horse. A lot of churches now, modern 21st century ones, where you go, it's pitch black. I mean, I went to one worship service a few years ago and nearly tripped over a car seat in the aisle because I couldn't see a thing in the worship. It was like the black hole of Calcutta. I don't like it. Do you know what I like? This. I like light. We're people of the light. You've been called out of darkness. Peter, that great apostle we've just been hearing about before, said this. You are a church. This is you, folks. Remember, he was a Jew, right? He didn't, he didn't, when he, they weren't really into the Gentiles, the Jews. There was a bit of a division. But when they came to full understanding and realizing gospel is for all. For all. Peter said this. Mainly to a non-Jewish race. But you are a chosen race. See, there's only one people of God now, made up of Israel and all the nations. There's only one people of God. The people of God in the old covenant were Israel. Now we've all been brought in. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies, listen, of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people. See, he's talking to a Gentile world. They weren't the people of God. Once you weren't the people. But now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Are you in the light today? Or are you in the twilight zone? 
Don't live in the shadows. Don't let your, don't let, don't let your past cast a shadow on your present. You know, many Christians say, if only we were back in such and such a day. I remember when we sang those songs. Do you know what? We can all do it. Oh, it was great, isn't it? Well, it wasn't actually great. You're just remembering the good times. It's what we do. We've only got now. These are good times, but there's some challenges. Just the same then. Oh, if only we could go back. And the other Christian says this. One day when I... I tell you, you haven't got the past anymore. It's gone. And you haven't got this afternoon yet. Martin Lloyd-Jones, my historical hero, would always end his sermons and pray at the end. He'd say, and as we go now into this uncertain life. Because you don't know. Who knows what's going to happen this afternoon? I don't know, but he does. But don't live your life I want to be one day. A horrible word, potential. Anyone with great potential? I mean, it's, it, I know it's a nice word, but it's almost like you never get there. Well, God wants you to live in the now. Live in the light now. Don't be in the twilight zone. Be called out of darkness into his marvellous light. Finish on this, okay? Uh, you are called to purpose. Do you know that? You're called to purpose. You're not called to sit on a blue seat in West Horton and wait for glory. You're called to the purposes of God. Have you, have you ever, do you ever, were you ever called, you know when you've been called when you were a kid in the house, and you heard you, Jonathan, and you come running down to my dad, say, I'd say, what is it, dad? He wouldn't say, or nothing, I was just calling you. Go back again to whatever I was doing. Jonathan! Come back. Yes? Oh, wasn't, I was just calling you. No, he'd normally say, Can you go and do this? Can you go and do that? Can you go and do the other? You see, a call has a purpose. You have a call, there's a call on your life. Really quickly, on Samuel 3. You may know this. Just listen to this story. Don't put it up on the screen. I'm just going to read it to you. On Samuel 3. Quickly. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. Eli was a bit of a mixed bag, really. He was a, he'd lost his way. He was a priest. He served in the temple under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. Oh, wow. The word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak he couldn't see, was lying down in his usual place. There's loads of preaching things in this. Routine. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. <clears throat> it was nearly going out, the lamp of God. Could be our day, couldn't it? The lamp of God. Where is it today? And it's still a lit, folks. It's still a light. Let me tell you, God's going to do great things yet. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark, the presence of God was. And the Lord called Samuel. But he didn't know it was the Lord. Here I am. 
He thought it was Eli. Eli, what is it? I didn't call you. Go back. Three times this happened. It says in that little text there, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. See, if you trace your story, God will have been calling you for years. There'll have been a number of times when you think, oh yeah, yeah, I remember now. It was the voice of the Lord. And eventually Eli wakes up and says, hey, I think it's the Lord who's calling you. Go and say, yes, your servant is listening. Are you listening? Are you listening this morning? You can listen with your ear, but are you listening in your heart? God's calling you. What's he going to call you to? Usually, he calls you to what you're good at. He's given you all gifts, everyone. You are like, you know, I just saw a picture then. You are like a shining crown. It's like looking at a crown here. You know when a crown is beautiful diamonds, and when the light hits it, colors shine up. I'm going to say to each one of you, you're a gemstone in God. I encourage you this morning. You're called. It's usually what you find easy to do is what you're called to do in God. Esther, really quickly, Esther, read the book of Esther. Interesting thing, if you read the book of Esther, God isn't mentioned in it, all the way through it. But Esther is a, a girl who is chosen to be the wife of a king. We'll do a study on it one time. It's a picture of the church. She's a bride, she's made ready. And one day she's brought to the king. But at the same time, there's a narrative going. There's a guy in the story of Esther called Haman. And he hates the Jewish people. And he wants to take them out. But it just so happens that Esther is brought into the harem of the king. She's a Jew. And her cousin says, I think God's put you there for a purpose. I'll just read one verse. It says this. Mordecai, Esther's cousin, when the Jews are in trouble, they're going to be slain. And he says to Esther, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. And you and your family's father's family will perish. But who knows that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. You look out your window, you look on your TV today or on the internet, and you say, this world's in a mess. Yes, it is. But you, West Horton Church, have been called to royal position for such a time as this. Not 30 years ago. Not six months from now. Now! Today is the day of salvation. You're part of the plan. You're part of God's plan. Finally, remember Paul, the apostle, used to be Saul. I don't think you'll have a bad trek before God as bad a track record as Paul when he was Saul. You want to see the grace of God in life? Read the first, well, probably 
chapters 6 of Acts to 9. Saul was a zealot. You know, he was a good, he believed he was a God-fearing man. He believed he was doing the right thing. He was going to wipe out this sect called the Way, the Christians. He was destroying the church, going from house to house, dragging out Christians. Stephen, the first martyr. Saul, this Pharisee of Pharisees, was there and said, I'll give the thumbs up to his death. Stephen preached this in Acts 6, this, this sermon, Acts 7, sorry, of how God had been with Israel all the way through and how Jesus was the Messiah. And Saul would have been there with the others saying, kill him. Kill him. But God had other plans. He was, he was working in Saul. And in Acts 9, he's going to Damascus with papers to destroy the church. And he's encountered with the living God. He becomes blind for three days. He's led by the hand. And a disciple called Ananias is given the task. How would you like this one? And the Spirit says to him, go to this house in Straight Street. I love it. Yeah, Straight Street. That's where we need to live. We need to live in Straight Street in our lives. Straight before God. Go and see a man called Saul. And I said, Lord, this guy's a bad boy. Why have I got this one? Go and pray for him. That his eyes may be opened. He is my chosen instrument. He's my chosen instrument. She. Doesn't make any sense. How can he be the chosen instrument? He's bad, man. It doesn't matter. I say to you this morning, wherever you've been, God's brought you here. You're called by the gospel. You're called out of darkness. And you're called to a purpose. Bow your heads. Oh, Holy Spirit. I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, will you take this word, will you, will you put deep in our hearts today? Lord, for whatever people have heard today, whatever has jumped out at them, I pray that it will become a reality in them. It won't just be a preach, Lord, and walk out and be different. I pray that they'll be different today. Holy Spirit, bring your, bring your scalpel right now into every heart and every soul and cut away anything that is not of you. You're very kind. You're very kind, Lord, how you deal with us, Lord. And I thank you for your grace and your goodness and your patience and your just the way you are. I just thank you that today, Lord, today you offer a fresh <laughs> you just offer a fresh life to those who may feel bogged down. I pray. 
Spirit of God, just take these words and use them. Thank you, Lord, that we do not know what today holds, the rest of the day, but we know that you hold the days. Will you give this church, Father, the power of the Holy Spirit afresh? Father, will your purpose be birthed today in hearts, I pray. Lord, there are no there are no people who have been left behind here. Only those who have been called and chosen by you. If there's any in this room who don't know you this morning, who don't know you like we've been talking about, I pray, Lord, that convict them today. Bring conviction, Spirit of God. And thank you for your convicting power that, Lord, you don't condemn us as Christians anymore, but you do still convict us. And if there's issues in our hearts that we need to put right, will you in grace, just deal with those things today, Lord. Bring them to our attention and let us sort them out. Let us be bold and, and let us be gracious to do those things, I pray. But I pray for a refreshing filling this morning. I pray, Lord, even this day, as people go out into their homes and families, maybe go out for a walk, I just pray, Spirit of God, will you fill them afresh? Will you deluge them? Give them your power and presence. Thank you for all you're doing in our lives and in this church. And we say all the glory goes to you alone. In Jesus' name, amen.